In this discussion, we will consider different coaching styles and strategies and explore how schools can utilize coaching to improve and develop their professional development strategies. Uh, we'll also be discussing the benefits of coaching uh, and that it can offer to teachers and staff in schools and how you can adopt coaching methods in your everyday practices as a leader. So absolutely, absolutely delighted to be joined by, uh, by our guest today. Um, and if maybe if we can start with uh, some introductions, that would be great. Um, so Christian, do you want to, do you want to kick off with a sort of 10, 15 second introduction of yourself? Yes, certainly. My name's, uh, Christian Barkay. I'm the principal of St. George's International School in Luxembourg. We currently have <laughs> around 870 students. Um, we're a full, a full school from sort of, uh, age three to 18. And before I, uh, came here 10 years ago, I was the head of the British International School in Jakarta. And before that, I was the head of the secondary school, a uh, secondary school in Shanghai, uh, in Yuchung. So obviously part of Fabicia, uh, working closely with Tom Olmert. And uh, before that I worked with, um, in the state grammar school system in the UK. Brilliant, thanks Christian. Uh, Rebecca, you're next on the, on the tile okay. there. Okay, my name is Rebecca Finley, and I am a late into international education, actually. I taught in the UK for the first 20 years and, and was a head in the UK in an independent school before moving to the Netherlands for my first international experience to the British school. And then uh, more recently, over the past four years, I've been the head of primary at the International School at Park City in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Brilliant, thanks Rebecca. And Matt, next. Hi folks, so I'm Matt Hall, I'm the director of Making Stuff Better. Um, and we say we create re regenerative spaces for school leaders, um, which is a fancy way of saying we do coaching. Um, and we, we specialize in coaching and coach training um, in schools. So we, we currently coach around about 280 international school leads um, and we run coach training programs um, in, in kind of more than 10 international schools around the world. Brilliant. And finally, finally, Craig. Hi, Max. Thank you. And uh, Craig Considine. I'm CEO of Tanglin Trust School in Singapore. Um, large school, 2,800 students. Um, and again, uh, all the way through. Uh, previously, headmaster of Millfield School in the UK. Uh, and before that, head of uh, Wanganui Collegiate School in New Zealand. But I'm very quick to try and not clip a vowel uh, because I am Australian, uh, went there from Geelong Grammar School and a range of other independent schools in Australia. Fantastic. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, great to have you guys on the call. Um, really excited about this conversation. And so I think, yeah, it'd be great to just dive straight into it, really. Um, so... First question being, um, you know, what, what do we mean by coaching? Um, and perhaps what, what does coaching, um, or what does the word coaching mean, mean to you in your individual individual context? Who'd like to kick off with that one? Um, look, I think uh, the, the coaching uh, journey for all of us will be very different, I'm sure. And we've got experts in the room. I don't count myself as an expert, uh, but I certainly uh, have been looking to facilitate very positive outcomes based on that coaching uh, paradigm. Um, for me, uh, I've seen it very much as a great way of questioning the, how I do things. And so I have my external coach um, and I've probably always been very results focused, uh, looking down the track somewhat uh, and probably didn't spend enough time looking at how I was going about things and the impact that was having on various groups of colleagues, uh, broader groups like parents and students. Uh, so it gave me a great opportunity to stop and reflect on my own practice, uh, looking at the here and now rather than getting too focused about what's coming down the track. Uh, and that's really been my little bit of um, input around how coaching has worked for me, I suppose. Yes, I would I would add, Craig, I, I think that's a, that's a very valuable point. I think one of the problems with school leaders that you talk to that we work that I work with certainly in in you know in, in my region in the Europe in Europe but also in previously in Asia 
was that quite often if you said you were undergoing external coaching, that you were undertaking external coaching, that was somehow seen as a criticism, that there was some mm. somehow something wrong or that there was something negative about how you were leading your school or managing your school and that coaching was somehow a, a, you know offered as a solution to a, a particular challenging situation. Whereas in actual fact, it's it shouldn't be like that at all. It should really be a, an ongoing process. And certainly the dialogue that I have with my own coach outside of the school is really helpful for me because it allows me to talk with someone completely independent of the school, completely independent of the governing body. And it gives you an opportunity to run ideas, to start a dialogue, to start an ongoing process of, of uh, improvement, of self-improvement. Mm. Absolutely. I, I, would, I would agree there. And I think that the culture and, and actually the perception of coaching, there's a real shift. Uh, I'm seeing particularly with our younger members of staff coming through, it's not seen so much as something that you take on board if you have a weakness these days. And I think it's seen as maybe it's the success of sports and things like that, where people can see those incremental gains that you can get they might only be small but they have an impact they have an impact on your performance but also of course on student outcomes which is what we're all looking for at the end of the day so I think that I've seen a change and it's a far more commonly and openly spoken about um, service within school which I'm, I'm really pleased to see but I would say and perhaps we'll pick this up later that um, I see more of an instructional coach method um, happening within school and then sort of the true coaching if you like um, happening outside of school with with staff and for myself you know I, I also have gone through coaching not because there was it was more not because there was something that I, I directly wanted to achieve but more that I felt that I had needed the space to reflect and to consider the way that that I lead and the way that I, I I can have an impact on those around me. So I think it's an interesting uh, concept when you look at the two alongside each other, because I think they take you in very different directions. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. Um, I often think of coaching and I spend a lot of time, <laughs> unlike colleagues, it's almost the only thing I think about, whereas I know these three have lots of other things to think about. Um, and and it changes for me all the time but I think the best way of defining it, thinking of it is an, as an epistemology you know it's a theory of knowledge and it's knowledge created through conversation that's that's my best stab at it today um, you know it's the process of engaging in a particular type of dialogue that creates new learning primarily for the client um, the person being coached but almost always in my experience, for the coach. Um, and that, that might be learning about leadership, it might be learning about self, it might be learning about classroom practice, but at its core, it's the how, how do you have a very specific type of conversation um, that creates new learning in the process? And you know, a couple of you mentioned that you have some external coaches as well that, that help guide and, and have that as a soundboard. I mean, you know, is, is, is implementing a, wider, a more wider coaching strategy something that each of you have, have thought about using or have, have used um, in your own school settings at all? Are you uh, looking for something we individually have done or more systemically? Yeah, I, I think a bit of both. I think um, you, you personally, but also I'm um, thinking about more widely across across your your leadership team uh, and teaching um, teaching staff is, is 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 looking to to develop a coaching uh, or culture of coaching. Something that you've thought about, yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, I suppose uh, given that uh, Matt, who's here, has just been at Zanglin, um, there is a pretty strong emphasis on creation of a coaching culture. Uh, that comes from a number of our leaders who are very focused on that as a way forward. Um, and so we have, uh, I would, uh, well, and Matt sees a lot of these programs happening in different places, but certainly there is a culture of coaching at Tanglin. Uh, we would have upwards of 30 people qualified as coaches. Um, we spent quite a bit of money with a, a small number of uh, people about three years ago 
uh, and their role, you know, their own professional development in doing that uh, was going to be um, uh, followed up by uh, a series of programs where they would teach and coach others to take on uh, other staff that they would then coach. And so I think we're in our fifth cohort of that. So we're probably close to 40 and upwards now. Um, and so that's been really amazing. And I think that's uh, uh, really becoming the underpinning of a number of different things uh, about how we take things forward with our teachers from a line management perspective. And maybe I'll come to that in a moment. But, you know, so that coaching culture has been established very strongly at Tanglin. And I think we're now looking to build on that in different ways. And maybe we'll come back to that later. I think that's the dream, Craig, isn't it? The, what, what you described there is a fantastic um, setup there. And I think that having that many staff, and I know you're, you're a big school, but having that many staff able to facilitate and, and not just coach others, but also train others to be coaches, I think it's a fantastic mm. model, one that um, I think many schools would be very envious of. I think um, for us, it's it's more about, Oh, I, I would give an example is it's that it's happening um, almost organically for us at my school and it's not happening necessarily in the same way and not maybe as um, purposefully. It's about professional dialogue for us, um, the creation of a culture of, of openness, open minded and willingness to talk to each other and, and peer coaching, which seems to be happening sort of how it well how it's grown over time. I, I give an illustration of, I was in a, uh, a staff inset last week uh, where two teachers were leading on uh, some reflective marking, responsive marking and feedback that we're doing. And I was sat at the back of the room thinking, oh, well, I, I, I haven't contributed to this. And I, I, you know, I'm not standing up there or I haven't, I'm not involved in leading anything here. And I started to feel a little bit insecure for a few moments thinking, oh, I, I'm one of those people who doesn't get involved, you know? And then I suddenly realized, no, it's happened. Suddenly people are able to stand up and lead this and, and take the lead and share what they have with confidence through a number of conversations, through growing people's uh, professional development and through now it's not me standing at the front anymore. There's many other people who are, are very capable and very knowledgeable to do so. And I can sit back and enjoy and learn from them. And I think originally when I first started at this school, I was at the front all the time and, you know, got bored of my own voice. And uh, it's great to see that it's happening, like I say, organically and informally, as opposed to a formal coaching model. But I would absolutely love to learn more about having a formal coaching model because I can really see the benefits of it. And um, I'd be interested to hear how that works. Mm -hmm. Just, uh, just, it's quite an interesting point there, Rebecca, about sort of it developing organically. How, how, how do you think that that may have um, may have come to pass? Is it is it just teachers reading about it and, and learning about it in their own time, or and then sort of bringing it to to school, or how is how do you think that might have um, been been fostered? Um, I think I would say it's early adopters. It's about when 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 we brought a new initiative in, or we've read about something that's that's current or really good best practice we've I've looked for the early adopters the people who are reading about things or interested in trialing and things taking risks in the classroom and I've gone to them and worked with them on that and I think that has just spread don't get me wrong I've been here for four years it's not been an overnight thing it's and with COVID in the middle it's taken it's it's taken its time but picking out those people who are willing to go and give it a try and then they've had the opportunity to share their knowledge has spurred others on who also are interested in developing in that way. And I would say that's how it's happened. And it's almost happened without me even consciously knowing it was happening until until the point where we have a number of staff that are doing that. But I also think some careful recruitment as well. Um, I've been looking specifically for people who are that way inclined and maybe who bring that sort of experience and expertise with them as well. Amazing. 
And, and Craig, you mentioned that um, you know you, you're doing an incredible job at instilling that sort of look, coaching culture across across your school. Um, it'd be great to sort of hear about maybe some of those strategies that, that you've used to um, to implement. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it'd be great, great, great to hear a bit more on that. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, and uh, look, there's no doubt we all know teachers are time poor, and you've got to ensure that uh, whatever you're going to put in front of them is quality. Um, and in order to do that, we really, we were very fortunate. Uh, we have a strong foundation uh, that supports a lot of the work that we do with teachers. And that foundation funded uh, a lot of those initial forays into coaching and the initial training. Um, but subsequently, things have sort of dovetailed into uh, our approach to performance management, a little as Rebecca was saying, um, uh, looking at morphing away from the old-fashioned appraisal. Uh, I think we all know appraisals probably uh, never been particularly effective in my view, unless we're ticking boxes and keeping people happy that way. Uh, We don't want to do that. Um, And so we've gone through a restructure around performance management, a really close look at competencies, uh, and coaching has been somewhere in the middle of all of that. And they've all come together very nicely to be able to say, okay, we want to have these professional and rich conversations among colleagues. And sometimes people are a little bit reticent and a bit shy about that. And that's where the culture has been able to cut through some of that. And so we've now had our coaches work with line managers. Uh, The line managers have those performance management conversations, but they take slightly different forms, don't they? I think Rebecca expressed there you know, those really rich conversations between professionals about practice and trying to draw out better performance as opposed to something summative at the end that says you've been a great teacher and this is where we are. Uh, And trying to help people work through understanding where they're at in their career, how they can focus on pedagogy, you know, that how word again, and understanding how effective they've been. Um, And... That has worked really particularly well at this point. But we're in that phase of, okay, line managers are now undertaking that process. But we've got to create some time because we're asking people to have another conversation here in the process of teaching and learning and how they're going to be better. So we've got to find some time to do that. So there's another cost there in terms of a human cost because someone's got to cover lessons uh, to allow that to happen. And Uh, As uh, Rebecca said, we're a big school and potentially we've got a little bit more resource and opportunity to do that. Um, And I know how hard it can be in smaller schools to be able to uh, make those things happen. So, you know, we live in a a pretty good position and that will continue to develop. But I think we've, the coaching by itself is good, but moving it in the right direction around performance management and professional dialogue in a, in a you know, uh, not in a high stakes way. We're trying to keep it as a professional conversation. And, you know, as we know in international schools, you'll always come around to the contract renewal. Uh, but all these things will be feeding in, you know, those uh, multiple uh, glances that are taking place Uh, those multiple conversations that are taking place are all feeding into something that allows for a a more grown-up and real conversation with colleagues about how they're progressing from a management perspective. But you've got to engage people in the middle there somewhere because I agree with Rebecca. You know, either you end up just with, okay, it's professional conversations inside, it's personal conversations outside. Well, I, I don't think it has to be. I think if you can get the right approach happening that that can work very positively and dovetail together internally yeah yeah absolutely and and, and just thinking about maybe some of these more tangible outcomes um in, in your respective schools and maybe matt from from your experience um that you've seen um schools successfully you know adopting a coaching culture um what what have been maybe some um, can you speak to some of those tangible outcomes that, that you've seen perhaps matt if you yeah, yeah I, mean, I, think, I think my starting point with this or our starting point is always i'm, I'm always slightly cautious and i feel like i'm being a pedant when i say this but i'm always slightly cautious of because schools will come to us and say we want to grow a coaching culture and i'm a bit like do you um, or, and I think I suspect this is probably true in, in Rebecca and Cray's case, or do you want a culture 
that uses coaching and brings coaching on board as one way in which you move your school forward. Um, and I think sometimes, that, I mean, there is a bit of a, a wave of coaching moving through international schools at the moment, and the temptation is to see it as a bit of a panacea. Of course it's not, and I'm, and, and I'm not suggesting that's what Craig or Rebecca are saying, but there's, there's lots of other types of conversations and processes that you have to implement yeah. the school leaders that are very far removed, unfortunately, um, very far removed when they need to be from, from a coaching style. So I, we, I, my starting point is always like, what, what's, what are the priorities of the school? What do you want to develop? And then how might coaching support that? Um, and, and, and the beauty of coaching and developing coaching is that I, it's just multifaceted. So, so when you talk, to, talk about outcomes, um, the, the outcomes really are broad. So, you know, you, you can bring coaching in, I, I can be really specific, if you bring coaching in as a methodology by which you want to improve the way in which people are having line management conversations and make them far more meaningful, far lower stakes, far less outcome driven, you will get that. But what you'll also get in doing that is greater capacity amongst your middle leaders, for example, because in learning how to coach um, and learning to coach each other, they will they will inevitably be, you know, they will be able to create more space for quality thinking, planning, strategic mm. thinking. E even by the process of learning how to coach, that 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 comes, let alone being coached. Um, likewise, you know, I've, we, we've worked with schools where they said this is really about pastoral and we want our pastoral team. Um, and again, you may you may introduce coaching as a way to improve the way in which um, your pastoral team is having conversations with students. Um, but in doing so, you will inevitably improve the way that they have conversations with parents um, because they they just bring a very different approach to it. So I think one of the big advantages of coaching, which is not as true for other kind of school based professional development, is you get a whole load of like really quality byproducts. Um, I mean, another one I can think of is, is um, you know, often schools will come to us and say, we just really need to develop our middle leaders and we want to do coaching. Um, and, and my pushback is, well, well, do coaching then and you will develop your middle leaders. So often mm -hmm. a, a, to, um, a school I can think of as an example of where, where people, middle leaders were coming to SL too much. There was a real kind of, um, I need the level above me to save me culture. Um, and actually just training that, saying we're going to put coaching um, training in and we're going to focus on on a particular area meant that you've got suddenly those leaders feel like they've got more capacity and they don't need to um, be going to the level above them as regularly. So you're, you're able to kind of push the decision making in the agency and the school, which, again, um, is a good thing but, and, and achieves its objective. But it also gives that senior leadership team more capacity. Um, mm. So, so you, I, I sometimes say, you know, it's the kind of ripple effect, isn't it? You kind of put it in somewhere with good intent. You can be really intentional about the, the impact you want it to have, but done well, it will have repercussions that you maybe can't even predict or measure, um, which is why I, I find it a really enjoyable and valuable thing to spend our time doing. Mm. But I always say it's the only thing, and it's not the only way. I think schools need to be really clear about the culture that they want to develop first and then think about how coaching fits rather than saying, if we get coaching, then everything will be great. <laughs> to, to simplify, to, to simplify very, probably more than I should. I'd, I'd say what you're saying there as well about, you know, coaching is it's just one strategy, isn't it? And I think that I've noticed that we use the word but people use the word coaching to describe things that aren't coaching as well and there's there's mentoring of course and also direct conversation and a range of different strategies that you can employ and I remember going to um, a session some years ago research ed session and uh, Dr Becky Allen was speaking about she'd done some research into teachers uh, characteristics and she'd kind of divided them into two categories of saying teachers are often rule followers or perfectionists mm. or a bit of both and she talked about um, you know how those those characteristics have an impact on our on not just our performance but how we view our performance <coughs> You know, if you're a rule follower, then you do what you're told. And those type of people potentially benefit more from mentoring sometimes because they they come to me and say, 
don't ask me what I think, Rebecca, just tell me what you need to do and I'll go and do it and I'll go and do it really well for you. But I don't want to sit down and talk to you about it. Whereas there's <laughs> other people that will say to me, um, I want to do this really well. Help me find a solution. Help me think it through and help. Can you can you guide me, but not tell me the answer? And, and I think it's this is a certain EQ that um, leaders need to have when you're working with staff who can be quite diverse in in their needs to recognize what what they need at that moment and that some people will need guidance and mentoring or direct instruction and at other times they need coaching and you have to pick those pick those moments quite carefully and so having that broad range of strategies which I learn all the time you know and I learn it most from like you say watching others I find is a really powerful tool and hopefully has an impact on people going forward yeah. And yeah, Christian. Um, yeah. So we we're just discussing, looking at some of the tangible outcomes um, around coaching in um, instilling a coaching culture um, in your school. And um, Christian, is, is is coaching something that you've sort of thought about um, instilling across your 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 team um, and, and your staff at your school as well? I think I think there's two challenges really. <clears throat> Historically, um, we've seen that. Uh, one of one of the difficulties is that uh, um, because that I have so many, I draw staff from over twenty different nationalities. The majority are British trained, but uh, you know I have Europeans, I have Americans, I have Australians, um, and in that respect, their approach to the idea of coaching it can be quite different according to their you know their previous educational experiences so i have um, at the moment four additional staff who are receiving external coaching so but we deliberately set out to uh, offer it to colleagues uh, um, as a, a, a sort of bonus a, a benefit rather than you know you're not doing very well the you know your communication within your team isn't isn't going well so you need to have external coaching we said you know as part of your own personal professional development programs um, you can apply for external coaching if you want as one of your elements of uh, of professional development and so far it seems to have worked really well it's been very positive people have, have taken it on board um, I think the I think it it's a new a relatively new thing for us in in terms of the institution but it's um it's been relatively successful because it's allowed people to be able to step back out of the day-to-day -day operation of the school <coughs> and uh, um and we've also allowed within certain parameters we've also allowed those colleagues to find their own coaches so we haven't simply said, oh, you know, choose that particular company or that particular coach or, you know, we've said, OK, what as long as they're clear about what they want to talk about and uh, what the, what areas they want to develop, we've given them a fair amount of autonomy in, in choosing um, in choosing a, a, a company or a colleague you know, um, to talk with. Mm. Yeah, interesting. And, and and with regards to sort of giving, the, giving them those options, is that um, something that you would relate to yourselves, or, or do you al allow them to sort of just go off and find any any um, individual or, or coach that, that that might work for them? Um, how has that sort of selection process been for you guys? That's that's tended to be positive. You know, we've we've tended to be quite open about that. Sorry. Yeah. Brilliant. And, and Craig, with regards to some of those tangible outcomes um, that you mentioned um, that, that you have within your school at Tangling Trust, um, could you speak to some of those sort of out, maybe tangible outcomes that, that have come from instilling that wider coaching culture? Well, I think you're on mute there, Craig. Apologies. Um, uh, yeah, one of the things I didn't mention before was one of the areas we've seen really positive feedback has been around uh, allocating coaches to those that return from maternity leave or extended illness. Um, 
and their reintegration uh, back into school life and the, the challenges that come with that, whether it's being a young mother, young father, um, a uh, person who's had a long time off work, uh, you know, on the surface, they can look like they're, they're doing okay. But um, just giving them the opportunity to talk to somebody else, uh, and we generally do that with somebody outside the school, um, or we encourage that, but some of them use some of our internal coaches. Uh, and that's probably been one of the ones that uh, hasn't taken us by surprise, but uh, we've been really positive and pleased about that. And uh, the people that have um, undertaken that have really reflected positively on how it's helped them set themselves up. I think one of the other things, because I do think we've got now a, a culture around this, um, one of the things we, or Christian sort of mentioned it, but people from different backgrounds definitely look at this very differently. Uh, I can argue male and female often will look at this a little bit differently, um, as generalisations, I mean. Um, but we also have a number of our coaches who are in our business support team. And sometimes we don't talk about them. You know, we focus on the teachers. Uh, but in fact, if we are a community of people and we're trying to engage everyone and offer uh, a broad range of experiences and development, we felt it was really important to, uh, I'll use Rebecca's term, some early adopters, uh, those who were really keen to make this work from the business support team. Um, and so some of our biggest champions are, are within that group and they give some really nice opportunities and outcomes for our business colleagues uh, who possibly weren't, you know, if I'm really being honest, weren't in our first uh, thought pattern around it, all of this. But it's really great that they've come on board and done that, uh, as with some of our TLAs and STLAs, you know, who sometimes, because of a cultural uh, perspective, can be very quiet about the way they go about things, very effective, very capable people, but don't put their heads up sometimes. And I think we've seen a, a growing confidence in some of them because they've had somebody that they've been able to share with and talk about these sorts of issues with. So, yeah, I think there's some really tangible things that we've seen happen. Yeah. And, and just now touching on some of the limitations or perhaps challenges that, that each of you have faced um, in, in, in um, sort of adopting a coaching culture, um, could, could you speak to some of those? Um, maybe, Christian, starting with yourself, um, some of those challenges that, that you might, may have faced um, and, and maybe how you've overcome those challenges as well. Well, I think as a... Um... I think one of the challenges in a high performing school in any in in any high performing school is the <clears throat> is the fact that the the you know the the benefit and the value of coaching has to be clear to people and they have to see that as something that they they have to really you have to embrace it and see it as a positive you can't simply see it as something that's imposed on you or, or you know you're told to do this by you know your superior or by the school <clears throat> so the the that that element of of being self-aware enough to be able to say i i am going to benefit from this my organization will benefit from this my team will benefit from this that's really important to make sure that the that that's inculcated within the organization and that people are aware and and are happy to buy into that concept because if you don't then um then they then the danger is that individuals colleagues see it as simply an imp, another imposition by hr for example or by their their heads of school um so it has to be something that's um that's the people see as a in in common really and in that respect what's been helpful for us is that i've from my own perspective talked about having an outside coach with colleagues in the school and i've said i've shared with colleagues why i have felt it's been very helpful for me and what tangible benefits have, have come from it as well so that's uh, a sense of saying you know, you've 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 you're you're opening yourself up to vulnerability in a sense to say, you know, um, the the principal or the heads of school, the business manager, senior leaders in the school across different areas of the school have all 
benefited from you know individual external coaching so this isn't something that's uh you know um something that you uh you only undertake if if there's uh if there's an issue you know mm. you undertake it because it makes you a better colleague it makes you a better teacher it makes you a better head of faculty you know better head of year makes you a better head head teacher Great, Rebecca, any, any insights there around the potential challenges that you've faced? Well, I certainly agree with Christian that it really helps if if the, the staff that you're working with want to be coached. And I think enforced coaching can, can be tricky because in my experience, sometimes the people that I've felt would benefit from coaching are the least likely to want to be coached and um, may not recognise or have that um ability to open up to that and the way that i would i would kind of work with that is to be very open about my own experiences and and be very open about my own learning journey and share that quite transparently um so to encourage those who maybe would really benefit from it but are reticent or or don't recognize the areas in which they could use coaching to improve so i think that also tallies with the fact that coaching is an, an, you don't see the results immediately. So you can't just invest what could be a lot of money. And as Craig said earlier, a lot of time and you don't get immediate results. The results are long-term and they often grow and build on each, build, you know, each, each time you, you go through it, you maybe become better or more confident in the area, but those impacts, might not be seen for a long time and so you've got two twofold in me the challenges are those that you want to be coached who don't see the benefit because the it's a long-term impact but also when you're looking at the money and the financial uh, commitment that you need to make to coaching and the time that 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 then that creates taking out teachers out of classrooms and things like that you have to also convince those who are paying for it and that also is something that they say, well, what are we going to get for this quite big investment? And so being able to articulate that isn't easy. And as Matt said earlier, you don't know what you're going to get out of it. You've got to be really, really clear about what you want to achieve. And, and it can be your the people that are, are holding the purse strings or paying for it um, may have one direction that you want to go in and the teachers may have a different direction and it's about finding that that balance mm. and for me it always comes back down to student outcomes and what's going to benefit the students because ultimately most teachers are fantastic natural coaches they do it every day in their classrooms and, and probably don't realize that they're employing so many of these coaching techniques themselves in the classroom every day with the students so to be able to step out and and take on board that learning yourself is not always easy for everybody so i would say for me they mm -hmm. are probably the biggest challenges but not not barriers that can't be overcome i think um yeah can i uh, i would add um you, you know i've had a number of conversations with people who simply say everyone in the school should be a co should be coached and i actually don't buy that um i agree with what rebecca's saying people uh feel differentially around those things a and i see the coaching as one of the strategies one of the uh elements in the toolbox that go towards making those really fantastic professionals and some people definitely have a different spin on all of that and you've got to respect that and i think for me the people that we talk about, the coaches, the middle managers, those who develop a sense of helping people work through various issues, we'll do that. We all know when we're talking to one of the coaches and you only listen to their questions and you sit there going, oh, hang on, what are you saying to me here? You're trying to send me down a pathway. Um, and, and that's good. Uh, it's good to have that, as you say, self-awareness, uh, Christian, I think. Um, but for some of our staff, modeling their fantastic work in whether it's action research whether it's more formal research you know that's what they're going to do to improve those student outcomes and to model fantastic behaviors for 
a range of people. You know, we don't mandate that everyone's got to do an NPQ qualification. Yeah, we encourage them. It's there. Uh, if they want to develop, that's fantastic. Um, but again, when you bring it back to that performance management, we will have a range of people who want to do different things and coaching will be fantastic for many of them. And that then becomes part of that professional dialogue where their friends, as Rebecca said before, you know, it might be mentoring. It might be, it might be much more direct instruction around where they need to go. And that's a bit of an age and stage thing in the career path. So I think there's so many areas. We just have to be careful not to say, uh, I think you said it earlier, Matt, you know, the panacea for all things in the teaching world is coaching. Well, no, it's not. Uh, it's a great tool. It's a great thing to use. Let's keep the balance. Yeah. And, and Matt, just around some of those um, overcoming some challenges, do you have any, any sort of tips around, around, yes. around that? Um, uh, so the, the, the one challenge in particular is that, is that internal external challenge um you know to what extent are we building and growing coaches internally to support others internally and to what extent and when is it right to um to use external coaches and i think that's different for different schools but it sounds sounds like that's there's a blended model in in rebecca and christian and craig school certainly christian and craig there's in some contexts going external is right because there's things that people working in a particular role or a particular level don't want to share internally and then for other processes, it's really right to, to build capacity within, um, which is far more economical and um, far more uh, sustainable culturally. Um, I think one thing we haven't really touched upon, which is something that we're really um, trying to address front on as a company, is the, is the role of diversity, equality and inclusion in coaching. Um, Charmaine Roche did, did a really good piece of research with Henley Business School a couple of years ago now. Um, around some of the structural um, issues with coaching as a, as a white Western methodology um, with, with lots of hidden kind of structural implications that, that someone like me can't, can't even see. Um, and so as a business, we're, we're, we're working with a partnership that makes sure that they're looking at all of our coach training and how we approach this to, to try and address that. And I think linked to that, um, there's a... And it kind of comes to my my point before. I think the other challenge is is um, ensuring that any coaching that happens it also is aware of the system. Um, and we run an, a qualification called International Ed Coach, where we train people to coach in international schools. And and part of the modules we've developed in that is one is around diversity, equality, inclusion, justice, awareness. When you are coaching, to what extent are you aware of that? But B, the second part of that, which, which is fairly new because this is new to us, is around systemic coaching. You know, don't, don't to, be, to be crude, don't tell the African-American lady who's applied for promotion five times that she's got everything she needs within her own resource to be able to move up through the system when it's very evident that there's something about the system that is preventing her progress. Um, and I think when coaching is boiled down to, it's just, you know, you just need to manifest or you just need to tap into your internal resource and everything will be wonderful, um, which can be some, which some coaching models kind of advocate. I think that's really problematic. And I think that, that training people um, to ensure that they're coaching with a kind of real common sense, real world head on is really important. Um, because the, when we're, we're talking about schools, like any systems, we are talking about a really big international school system. There's, there's, there's a wider system that people are working within and um, not coaching with that in mind, I think is, is problematic. I think, if, and, and a lot of coach training is all about just deal with the person in front of you and what they bring. Um, and and that's, that's what we used to do. Um, and we've kind of had our eyes open to it a bit that actually that's, that's a bit simplistic and a bit naive and and the co our coaches need to really think about the system that people are operating in and coach them in relationship to that system um and that is a challenge and i'm not going to sit here pretending that we've solved it um just as a business we're starting to to really incorporate that into what we teach and also into the coaches that we use um so i guess yeah that's that's one that we're working through at the moment but um it's a bit of a watch this space uh, so I think I think just sort of round, rounding up and, and thinking about the future of co coaching in your individual school context, it'd be great if each of you can maybe touch on 
where you see it heading. Um, so um, maybe a bit about obviously where it is now. We've discussed a lot about, um, but where you envisage that could potentially go. Um, it'd be great to, to, to hear your sort of final thoughts on that. Um, I don't know who would like to, to start try that one. Christian, do you want to say that one? Yes, no problem. I, I think the... <clears throat> I think the advantage with having a, a positive attitude towards uh, the availability of coaching alongside some other elements um, of professional development and personal development is that that allows for difficult conversations to take place in school at an earlier point rather than waiting um, for the need to intervene formally. So you, you build up a culture of trust, of openness, of uh, an ability, a willingness to share difficulties and uh, challenges, but also you have a, a sense of being able to share positive outcomes, successes with colleagues and other faculties, other year groups and across the, the school as a whole. So if you encourage and you positively engage with a, a culture of coaching in a sense of positive reinforcement and engagement, that actually allows a school to develop a, um, a more open culture um, and a very much a, a collaborative culture within the, the teaching um, staff, but also within the administrative and support staff. It's not just about your teachers, your TAs, it's about your business managers, it's about the your office staff, it's about the, uh, you know, your receptionists. How do your receptionists greet your students, greet your staff, greet your parents in the morning? Um, you know, and if, if, if that positivity, that sort of uh, constructive approach can be, um, you know, spread, around the, the the whole school environment then the 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 approach to coaching becomes more positive and they'll see that as as something that they can uh, they can take on board if they need to if they want to and if they if they don't need to they don't feel that they um, they're going to benefit from it then they don't need to take it on board but it's always useful to have it as a, a background, a, a, a backup, you know, as, a, as an option for, for people to take on board. Yeah. Rebecca, what about yourself? So I, I think uh, it was Sam Sims said something along the lines of coaching being like the best evidence form of CPD. And I think that's, we're seeing that particularly with our, younger members of uh, members of staff who are maybe earlier in their careers coaching is a word that they're coming through with and they're talking about openly not just being coached but actually wanting to train as coaches or become a coach in an instructional coach in themselves and be able to have that <coughs> sort of into their bow if you like they see and I see coaching going in a way that it's going to be a really desirable skill in a teacher, in a leader to have that, whether you're whether you're a certified coach or an instructional coach or having experience of just coaching strategies and coaching conversations, I think is going to be really powerful. I, I hope that we don't see it becoming something that is enforced, but also I hope that we don't see it something that becomes so a bit like the growth mindset did where everybody suddenly has posters on their walls and oh we're doing growth mindset because we've put a poster on the wall I hope that the coaching doesn't become that that we're all coaches in our school you know it's got to keep that integrity and I think if it can keep that integrity then performance can only improve and if we as educators and as educational leaders it's so easy to jump on a bandwagon and off we go and and yes we've ticked that box and we've done that and I think we we need to be cautious we need to be very self-aware of of the of all these brilliant things that coaching can bring but do it do it properly and with with intentionally and if we can do that and if we can use our young staff who are keen to model it and to develop further and to show some of the impacts we can have. I think that coaching's here to stay. 
and Craig. Craig I like that. Yeah, yeah, I like I like that word integrity. Uh, I think that's spot on. Um, but uh, in my mind, very brief uh, conversations create caring communities, and at the end of the day, uh, that's the bottom line. And all our pastoral work is all about that engaging. Uh, in that case, young people. Uh, I think for us as colleagues, it, it's always about the dialogue and the conversation. Uh, and as long as, you know, the old Stephen Covey seek first to understand, um, it's not a bad way to begin and probably not a bad way to end either. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think that's really important and I see that as where we're going. Fantastic. That's a great way to to sort of round up the conversation. Matt, Matt, any other final thoughts about, about a school, you know, that's wanting to, to, to really embed this in a sustainable way, coaching culture? Um, <clears throat> any final thoughts there? I think, it, I, think, I think it just comes down to, um, you know, one of the things that we've always been on a bit of a mission <coughs> this process. You know, we've, we've talked about lots of different types of coaching, um, lots of different experiences of it. Um, you know, coaching is an unregulated industry. Um, any of us can be coaches in anything tomorrow if we want to be. Create a website if you go. Um, I think the more the more that schools use it, um, the more opportunity uh, there is to really ensure that it's being used, it's being done properly. Um, and and again, that's part of our our businesses kind of as part, as part of our as part of what we offer crudely. So you know, we we say all of our coaches are very experienced, well trained, up to date um well supervised and that's an important thing um but actually our ambition as a business um in the way that we support international schools is to is to to continue to develop a qualification that is recognized within the international school sector as a as an international qualification so so my personal ambition and the companies is that in in not many years time you know international heads will be able to recruit and see that people have got that qualification understand its quality understand what it means um, in the way that we do with lots and lots of other things that we'd be looking for when we're, we're appointing people. And I don't think it's going away. Um, I think it's only going to grow in its use. And, and I think as we move into um, kind of continued uncharted territory in, in the world, you know, it feels so unpredictable that having a, a methodology that allows us to deal with something in the moment and create really positive conversations with whatever's happening um, is going to become more and more relevant. I feel like we're, we're learning as we move through time that we, we know far less than we think and we, we certainly don't have the answers in the way that we maybe thought we used to. So, so, so it's shifting to a really professional quality um, uh, uh, place in school as part of a professional development suite with other qualifications that have, have credibility and weight, I think is going to be really important. Um, and that, that's, that's where we see it going. Um, and, we're con and we're trying to keep up. Fantastic. Awesome. Wonderful. Great. Well, thank you so much, guys, for, for your time and fascinating to hear all your, your journeys um, individually and, and, you know, with your, with your school as well with regards to, to sort of adopting that coaching culture and, and, the, and the massive benefits that, that having, um, you know, coaching can, can provide. So once again, thank you so much for your time. And uh, yeah, maybe look forward to doing a, a part of the session perhaps uh, in, in the coming months. But yeah, thank you, guys.